Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. What is your greatest interest? How would you answer that question? If you are a true disciple of our Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua, then there's really only one answer. The right answer is, I am committed to the will of God. That should be your greatest interest. Because when you are in God's will, you are going to see that God will move in your life and he will position you so that you can be blessed and that you can overcome all things. Good things happen when you're in God's will. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 7. The book of Luke and chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 30. And Messiah, we know, always did the right thing. He always said the right thing. He was always in God's will. And what do we see here? There was opposition. And when we are doing the right thing for the right reasons, we can expect as well that there will be opposition to us. But God will give us the wisdom. God will give us the things that we need to overcome. When we listen to the Spirit of God, He will provide insight so that we can overcome all these attacks and be found faithful. What does it mean to be found faithful? Be in God's will. Well, look with me to, to verse 30 of this seventh chapter of Luke's gospel. It begins by saying, but the Pharisees and this next word is related to the Torah, meaning the law of God. Literally, it's those who are of the law. And most Bibles translate that as lawyers, but not lawyers in the way that we think of it, but religious lawyers, meaning those who only engaged in spiritual matters, those things that related to the law of God. And it's interesting here because the Pharisees, well, who were the Pharisees? They were experts in Jewish law, meaning in the traditions that came from the elders on how one should behave. And the lawyers were experts as well, not in the traditions of the elders, but in the commandments of God. But we're going to see that these individuals, look again at our first verse, verse 30. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, the will of God, they rejected for themselves. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't mean that they didn't know God's will, but they knew it and rejected it. And this can be your and my situation as well. 
God can convict us of his truth. We can read something in his word. We will know what we ought to do, but too frequently we reject that. Don't make such a foolish decision. Be submissive. Be obedient. When you know what God wants you to do, when you know his will, be quick with a sense of urgency be quick to carry it out. And I promise you, no one who obeys God ever regrets it. Obedience is a pathway to joy, a pathway to that inner peace that passes all understanding. So these Pharisees and these experts of the law, what did they do? They rejected the will of God for themselves, not being baptized by him, meaning not succumbing to John's baptism. What was John's baptism? We all know this. A baptism of repentance. And what do we learn about repentance? Repentance begins with agreement with God, affirming his standards, his commandments as truth and what is right for you and me. If we want to be a faithful person, it begins by accepting the truth of God's word. And that means that what the world says is not what interests us. We're not going to be motivated. We're not going to be influenced by the world, but we are going to submit to the instructions of God in order that we can be an influence to the world, meaning that we can bring people out of this darkness, and that's what this world is, a fallen world of darkness, and into the light of God's revelation, that they too can choose wisely and agree with God. Well, look, if you would, to verse 31. But the Lord said, to what should I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? So he's looking at this world. Very important verse. He is going to tell us what the people of this world is like. And for your information, there's not much difference in the last 2,000 years. In other words how the people were in Messiah's time. They are the same way today. And pay close attention to what he says. Twice he says, how should I liken, what should I compare the men, and here the word men means both men and women. What should I liken the people, in other words, of this generation? Verse 32. They are like children that have been seated in the marketplace. Now, this is significant because it doesn't say sitting in the marketplace, but having been seated. Now, why is that important? Well, if you're seated, it's usually for a reason. And the context is going to bear this out in a moment. So, this generation, both in Messiah's time and our time, this generation are like children that's in the market having been seated. And they call to one another and they say, 
we have played the flute for you, but you did not dance. So the flute here in dancing is an image of rejoicing, happiness, being glad. And what happens? They said, this generation is like children who have been prepared for something. They are seated and they hear the sound of music, but they will not dance. Then what does it say? Also, they are like a group of people, and this is what the text says, that uh, a dirge, and this is a sad melody. This is something that's oftentimes related to grief or mourning. So something that brings the, the connotation of death, sorrow, something that is very, very sad. And what happens? It says these individuals, they will not weep. So what happens? Doesn't matter if it's something joyful or if it's something very sad. What's the problem? They do not respond. So let me ask you a very significant question. God speaks through his word. Are you responding to it? It wasn't that they didn't know. It was that they certainly were not interested. That's the problem. Didn't matter. Joyful things, sad things, they weren't responding. They certainly knew what he was saying. They knew these were the experts in the law. These were the Pharisees. They were the ones who were influencing society, that generation, and they were a non-responsive generation. Let me share with you something that is so important, and that's this. Don't be non-responsive to the revelation of God, what he reveals in his word. I've shared with you if you obey the scripture, you will never regret it. But if you reject God's revelation, if you are non-responsive to the instructions of God, you will live for eternity in God's punishment and you will have regret forever and ever. Don't put yourself in that position. If you are non-responsive to the word of God, the only one that you can blame is yourself. And you will have eternal regret in the punishment of God's judgment, his condemnation, because you failed to respond. This is what he's saying about this generation. Well, look on to verse, verse 33. For John the Baptist... He went not eating and not uh, drinking. So literally it says he did not eat bread and he did not, and let's be very careful, it says, and he did not drink wine. So what does it say? This was a man who was committed to fasting and also denying himself of joy, biblically speaking, Wine is frequently associated with joy, happiness. John was not seeking those things. He wasn't interested in partying and having fun in a worldly sense. Why? He found joy in serving God. 
So what does the scripture say here? John the Baptist, he came and bread he did not eat, nor wine did he drink. And you were saying, meaning saying concerning John, that he has a demon. Now, think about this. You see the, the clear teaching of Messiah here? Messiah says last week in our study, in that previous passage of those born of women, meaning in a natural way, no one has, has risen up greater than John the Baptist. And what did the leaders, the religious leaders say at that time? He has a demon. God says he's a great one. The society said he has a demon. See the difference? And what is it trying to convey to us? When we reject the revelation of God, we will not see things from his perspective. And we're going to get it wrong, very, very wrong. Look now to verse 34. Well, they didn't submit to John's instructions. They rejected his, his baptism. And therefore, it says, verse 34, the Son of Man, now he's speaking about himself, Yeshua, the Son of Man went eating and drinking. And you say, behold, he is a man that is a glutton and also a drunker. He is a friend to tax collectors and sinners. Again, John came with one approach, and you rejected him, Yeshua. He came with a different approach, and you also rejected him. So in two different ways, what the Scripture is saying is the people are not responding. And it's not because, well, this is not my way. Yeshua came a different way from that of John's, and they wouldn't respond to either one. Why? The answer is, they weren't interested in the things of God. Don't be foolish. Don't make a decision that you're going to regret for eternity. Submit to God's truth. Learn his word. Apply his word to your life. And when you do that, you are going to find God's provision in your life, that he is going to put his hand upon you. You receive his gospel. You take his truth and you implement it into your life. And he is going to guide you, move you. He is going to position you where he wants you to be, to do the things that he has called you to do. And when you do that, you are going to have such a, a feeling of satisfaction. There's no greater feeling than serving God and being pleasing to him. But what happens? Not for this generation. They were not interested in John the Baptist. He has a demon. And Yeshua comes. He is a glutton and he is a drunkard. This is the problem when we reject and are non-responsive to the instructions of God. Look now to verse 35. Kind of a, a peculiar verse. What does it say? Wisdom, and specifically the wisdom, and that means the wisdom of God, is justified by all of her children. What does that mean? Well, a child is an outcome, a result. There's a marriage. 
A man and woman come together in the covenant of marriage and usually children follow. It's the outcome and the results. And if there's marriage, there's probably going to be children. And what the scripture is saying is if there's wisdom, wisdom is going to produce results. And wisdom is going to be justified by the results that are, are produced. And that's what we are called to do. If we have wisdom, and it's the wisdom, meaning the wisdom of God, where do you find that wisdom? Only in this book. Make no mistake about it. It is only in the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, what we call the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and the Brit HaChadashah, the New Covenant or the New Testament. This is where we find wisdom. And when you apply the wisdom of Scripture to your life, there is going to be an outcome, a result that will justify, that means manifest, that it is truly wisdom. And again, when you make wise decisions, you're going to be pleased with those decisions. Why? Because they're godly decisions. And they're going to produce praiseworthy results. And who gets the praise? God does because that wisdom belongs to him. See, you are either going to live under the wisdom of God or you're going to reject that, not respond to it, and you're going to make foolish decisions that show that you are a member of this world, this kingdom of this age, a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of deceit, a kingdom that does not offer any hope, but one day will be destroyed by the righteous judgment of God. Now, I realize for most people, they scoff at that. But, but if you would do something very wise, and that is think for a moment and pray about those things. Am I living according to a way that God's going to bless do I truly belong to a kingdom? Because if you don't belong to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, through faith in that gospel message, then what are you going to expect? You should expect eternal judgment. You are heading for hopelessness. And once you arrive there, there's nothing that can change that. Don't make that tragic decision. Be wise except the revelation of God. This is what this is all talking about in this passage. Look now to, to verse 36. We see that there was one of the Pharisees, a certain one, and he invited him, meaning he invited Yeshua, in order that he should eat with him. And entering into the house of the Pharisee, that is Yeshua, he received that invitation. He entered into the house, and what did he do? He reclined. And that term reclined usually means for a, a very nice meal, a formal meal, usually a meal that is related to a commandment, perhaps a holiday, perhaps the Shabbat, something along those lines. Look now to verse 37. <coughs> Excuse me. And behold, a woman in that city who was a sinner. So notice, 
Here, we find that the doctors of the law, the lawyers, the Pharisees, the experts in Jewish law, we see again a Pharisee here, Messiah, accepted his invitation to dine with him. But in this passage, there's a woman, a woman who was of that city who, the Bible says, was a sinner. And knowing, meaning she knew that he is reclining at the house of the Pharisee. And what did she do? She responded. She wasn't non-responsive. She heard this and she acted. She heard about Yeshua and she didn't reject him. She didn't ignore him. What did she do? Well, she did something very precious. We read in the scripture that she brought an alabaster, and this would be a container of myrrh, meaning some fine ointment or perfume, usually very costly. So she brought this container, an alabaster container of this, this perfume, this, this ointment of myrrh. And what did she do? Well, look at verse 38. And she stood near his feet, but the scripture says, behind and what did she do? She was weeping. Now, I'm sure she was indeed a sinner. But Messiah came with a message of hope, a message of change. You don't have to live in the consequence of your sin. You don't have to experience the punishment of God. He came to redeem us from that and to give us hope, a sure hope, a hope that will be fulfilled where in a kingdom of righteousness. And this woman, she was wise. Why? She believed his words. And she responded to his words. She came and she stood behind him near his feet. And what did she do? The scripture says that she was weeping. And what happened? And she began to cause to be wet his feet. Why? With tears. That's literally what it says. And the implication is her tears. So her tears cause his feet to be wet. And then what did she do? She dried, literally it says, with her hair, the hair of her head. She dried, meaning she dried his, his feet that had been moistened with her tears. And she kissed his feet and she anointed, and the implication is anointed his feet with this costly perfume, with this myrrh. Verse 39. Now, this was a woman who was broken, who was emotional. She heard this message of hope, this message of God's mercy, this message of grace, this message of forgiveness. Yes, yeah, she was a sinner. But she was grieved and she responded to these words and she came before him and she did this act of love, this act of humility. What was she doing? Her tears caused his feet to be wet. And then what oftentimes is seen as the glory of a woman, her hair, she took the hair of her head and she dried that, that tears from his feet. 
and having cleansed her feet, getting that dirt from walking in sandals, and we know Israel's a dusty place. She cleansed his feet. And then what did she do? It says that she kissed his feet. How humble. And then she anointed them. Verse verse 39. But, meaning in contrast to this, this is the Pharisee. He had religious knowledge. He knew the scriptures, but he was like those other Pharisees and lawyers. And I'm speaking about lawyers in the religious sense that rejected that would not humble themselves, did not think that they needed this message. And what does the scripture say? Look carefully at verse 39. But the Pharisee who had invited him, seen, having seen all of this, he said, and notice, he said in himself, saying. Now, this means that he didn't, articulate these words he didn't speak them he said to himself that's the intent but Yeshua he knows all things he knows if you're sincere he knows if you truly have accepted him he knows if you love him if you're humble or if you are full of pride and Yeshua although this Pharisee had said it to himself he knew these words And what did this Pharisee say? He said to himself, this one, if he were a prophet, then he would know who she is and what manner of woman she is that touches him. See, this Pharisee thought, I don't want that type of woman to to touch me to kiss my feet because she's a sinner. Yes, she's a sinner. But she is a sinner that is broken. One that has great remorse. And here's the good news. If you are grieved and have remorse of your sins now and you turn to Yeshua, he will forgive you fully. He will take his righteousness and give it to you. That God will not remember any of your sins. They're all forgiven. And you will have eternity in a kingdom of blessing. That's the message. That's why he came into this world. What did he say? If this one was a prophet, he would have known who this woman is. And what type of woman she is who touches him. Because she is a sinner. Yes, she's a sinner. But she had experienced forgiveness. And it was that love of Messiah, that mercy, that grace, that forgiveness that brought her to a sincere remorse, whereby she truly repented, whereby she knew that she had been forgiven and therefore she loved him and wanted to express in a humble way, in a sincere way, in a way that that manifested how she appreciated who he was and who he is and who he will be when he returns again. 
Is this your Messiah? Is this your Savior? Make him your Lord and Savior today. Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.